Hey, GG peeps. This episode of the Goblins and Growlers podcast is brought to you by Alchemy RPG, the world's first virtual tabletop built specifically for cinematic immersion and theater of the mind gameplay. With their focus on scene-based structure and dynamic audio integration, game masters and players alike are empowered to tell incredible stories together with animated environments, ambient sound, and multiple integrated TTRPG systems, indie and otherwise. The folks at Alchemy created their VTT because they love role-playing games, but were frustrated with the tools available for bringing their games online. Role-playing isn't about staring at tokens on a tactical grid. It's about creating a shared imaginative space full of authenticity, inclusion, and creativity. With functionality such as integrated voice and video, Alchemy allows you to do just that, no matter where you are. Backed and partnered with indie tabletop giants such as Chepiku, Hitpoint Press, and Loot Tavern, Alchemy is the future of online virtual tabletops. Check the link in our show notes to sign up for a free 14-day trial, then $8 a month or $88 for the whole year, less a month than the price of a Kool-Aid-themed D20. Check it out. Hey, Goblins, Brandon here. Uh, If you enjoy what we do and you'd like to help support us create more and maybe even take the podcast to weekly, then the best way right now that you can support us is to head over to patreon.com slash goblinsgrowlers. You can find all the different stuff we do there, one-page dungeons, uh, bonus audio for things, all kinds of stuff. So head on over there, uh, and even if it's just a dollar or, you know, however much you're comfortable doing, or if you can't put anything toward the Patreon, just tell a friend about it. Tell somebody about the podcast. That's another great way to support us. So, uh, patreon.com slash goblins growlers, uh, and we'll see y'all soon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Goblins and Growlers podcast. I'm Josh Maltby at Black Cloak DM on Discord and Blue Sky. I'm Brandon Dingus at Way of Brandalore, uh, Instagram, and probably other places. Uh, Josh, how's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. All right. Tired, busy, but yeah. otherwise good. Yourself? Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm great. I'm I'm sick as a dog, but I'm fantastic. So if that my sound gravelly today, that's why. <laughs> so I'm very very excited to finally get into today's topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know we've got a couple of news items to cover first. Yeah. Um. Just real quick. Uh. For uh anybody who might be new to the podcast in any way, shape, or form. Uh, if you like tabletop role-playing game type of stuff, and perhaps you're looking for an actual play that has a lot of history and has been around for several years, I think five years this month, um, check out uh, Quid Pro Roll. That is the um, 5e currently-ish actual play that we've been running for many years. Uh, uh, find it on your podcatcher of choice, Quid Pro Roll. Um, so now that we've got that plug out of the way, um, we can jump into uh, talking about several several things that have been just popping up in the last couple of weeks since the last time we recorded. Um, now, we talked a couple of months ago about, I can't remember if we even actually did this for a recording or if it was just you and I talking about it, but I was looking at that um, third quarter results from Hasbro, and it was basically talking about how uh, Watsi was uh, buoying the entire company because all their consumer products were tanking and their entertainment division was tanking. Um, it's really, it's really interesting. Um, when I was at when I was at PAX, it was interesting to have some conversations with some of the third party publishers talking about this because they would all because they're the third party folks. They would always talk about like everything that happened at the beginning of the year 
with the SRD and, and the license and everything. And they'd be like, right. oh yeah. And they're, you know, and they, you know, they being Watsi and Dungeons and Dragons, they're like, oh yeah. And now you can see they're really hurting. Um, you know, their, their revenues are going down and everything like that. And I was, I had to correct a couple people. I was like, what? You know, I had to be well, actually guy. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> well, actually, you know, like Watsi and D and D and magic are basically the only things keeping that company going. Yeah. And, and that's uh, not entirely surprising because the reception for Baldur's Gate 3 has been the warmest I've seen for a video game in a very long time. Oh, yeah. You got to figure that Baldur's Gate 3 has uh, a lot to do with some of these numbers for because the way it's grouped together is like Wizards of the Coast is lumped in with digital gaming, which is separate from entertainment. Um, but anyway, anyway. So we learned uh, like a, a week or so ago, a couple of weeks ago, that Hasbro was going to be doing about 1,100 layoffs. And um, as somebody who's been laid off in the past, I feel it necessary to say this, that like uh, it's a horrible experience um, and you never want to see anybody lose their job or anything like that. But it is something that it's if you if you zoom out and look at it, it's it's interesting to sort of get an idea of what's going on with the company. Right. So. Um, these layoffs were happening, which was not surprising when the announcement came out that it was going to happen, because like we said, in October, when the Q3 results came out, it like there were problems <laughs> at Hasbro. There were a lot of problems and D&D and Magic were the only things keeping it afloat. So everybody expected that the layoffs were going to happen to not <laughs> Watsy people. Well, it turns out, like, um, I think Dan Dillon was the first one to tweet about it. I, uh, that's at least the first one that I saw tweeting that he was laid off, like, I think maybe like a week ago the other day or something like that. Um, Dan Dillon has been, uh, he's a game designer. He's been with Watsi for like five years. They poached him, I believe, from Cobalt Press. Um, uh, he, I think he did uh, a lot of great work over at Cobalt Press, and he's been involved in a lot of high profile stuff at Watsi. So seeing somebody like him laid off was kind of, Kind of surprising, honestly. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if someone like him gets scooped back up by Cobalt Press with Cobalt Press building some new initiatives and trying to build a lot of new content right now. Oh, yeah. And I mean, there's there's a, there's a little bit that I can sort of say to all that, like where, you know, where are all these people going? What are their attitudes and everything like that? Um, but just, you know, the initial reactions are just like, well, wait a minute. Like, what what's going on here? Because... Watsi was what was keeping it afloat. So why are they laying off all these people? Well, I recall and, seeing the news that they were going to do 1100 layoffs before starting to see the posts about, hey, I was just laid off from mm -hmm. Watsi. And I, I remember when I saw the news, I was like, oh, well, that's probably going to be exclusively out of like the divisions that are really doing poorly. Like I imagine Watsi mm -hmm. and uh, Magic the Gathering are going to stay like nice, nice and chunky. And mm -hmm. then everything else is going to shrink down because they're not making any money. And then I start seeing the tweets come out where it's like, yeah, I've been laid off. I've also been laid off. I've also been laid off. And it's like, whoa. Yeah. What? Yeah. Well, all right. So I've got, I've got, uh, uh, for anybody watching on YouTube, I've got the, um, Q3 results up. I'll actually, oh, I'll, yeah. Profit me, and loss sheets. Let's yeah. get real y'all. Yeah. Let me take those down for just a hot second and flip <laughs> over to flip over to something else. Um, cause I found, uh, I was, I was going around, uh, over the last couple of days trying to find a really solid list of the folks that were, that were laid off. 
Um, and you know, the Hasbro CEO, Chris Crocs, had the typical I'm a CEO laying people off statement. You know, while we're confident in the future of Hasbro, the current environment demands that we do more. <laughs> Even if these choices are some of the hardest we have to make, I know this news is especially difficult during the holiday season. No sugarcoating how hard this is, et cetera, et cetera. Said, you know, by somebody who gets to keep his job. And um, uh, going through the list, it's like Dan Dillon. I saw a name on here of somebody because I, I was just like, trying to find the most comprehensive list I could. There are, prob- there are probably, I, in fact, I know for sure, I know 100% positively that there's at least one name on this list that I'm looking at right now who was not laid off. <laughs> and I'm not going to share the list. But I think it's just because of a cryptic statement that that person made. Um, Got it. Yeah, but these lists are all out there. You can find them all over the place. Um, Amy Dallin, who is a D&D Beyond producer and host. I think I've, I've seen them on some things. Um, let's see. Let's see. Uh, the D&D art manager. There's a talent manager, a game designer, a David McDarby, who I've not heard of, but he was a game designer on the magic side of things. There was uh, like a director of D&D Beyond, software engineer, technical producer, um, community manager, uh, more art directors. Uh, Chris, Chris Lindsay, who created DMs Guild, uh, according to this, uh, was let go. Uh, their licensing and publishing manager. Um, and then Mike Merles, which is another name that is interesting for a lot of people, probably for a lot of reasons. Uh, <laughs> because um, for, any, for anybody who doesn't know, like Mike Merles has become sort of a, uh, uh, a target because of uh, behavior, uh, you know, uh, like it was like a person in the playtesting community that he uh, that he uh, I'm trying to figure out the best way to say this because like facilitated allowed he was aware of things that this guy was doing and like disclose uh, names of victims uh, publicly and everything a lot of not great stuff that he was doing um, He's pre he was previously like senior management on D&D. He was involved in a lot of stuff, like a lot of stuff that, you know, and it's interesting because if you look, um, I think I think you can even see it just on his Wikipedia page, like roles that he was in and then roles that he was moved to. Um, it's very clear that he was being managed out of any sort of prominent responsibilities at the company before this happened i think in his last position i think in the last position he was in which was actually over on the magic gathering side where he was essentially a full-time consultant for um like uh game game design and stuff over there except when larian was first starting up their Baldur's gate 3 design mm-hmm. mike Merles was one of their primary contacts on making sure that it feels like dungeons and dragons mm-hmm and that game is incredibly successful and uh it has his fingerprints on it for better and for worse yeah all all i'm saying is like as somebody who's who's worked as a manager at various levels like you can see when somebody's being managed out of responsibility and managed out of the business that's Uh, fair that's fair and it's possible it's possible i will say that he opted for that a little bit because he was public enemy number one a little bit there for the various things he was involved in that were yes. not great. Yes. And anybody curious can look these things up. They're you very can, easy to find. You can literally Google Mike Merle's controversy and find a lot of things. <laughs> that is my favorite thing to do. Like, 
if there's ever somebody who I am unsure of, like uh, like whether to mention them or or you know reach out to them to see if they want to talk to us or anything like that, I will Google that person's name and controversy and hope that I don't get any results. <laughs> <laughs> or at the very least, the results you get are like. Oh, it's rumored that they didn't tip at a restaurant one time. And you're like, mm-hmm. well, that's fine. That's fine. But but <laughs> yeah, could, with they like, could probably get away with that. But, you know, people like Dan Dillon and and for better or worse, people like Mike Merles, um, they're going to get snapped up by somebody who wants to do something. Um, it's oh, it, yeah, it, it's like when when the Amazon and Google and, and Facebook layoffs were happening like a year ago. And you immediately saw HR and talent acquisition departments just like rubbing their hands together at like other <laughs> at other. I was working at a, I was working at a tech company at the time, and uh, we got a lot of memos that was like, "Hey, hey, we need to. We're gonna start uh, doing some doing some headhunting on these on these former Googlers and and Amazon and and Facebook Meta people." Yeah. So, so yeah, like I wouldn't be surprised if Dan Dillon. Um, uh, goes back. I believe it was Cobalt Press, right? That sounds right. It, yeah, it was either there or Paizo. I don't have it right in front of me. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if he gets picked back up there. Um, it's just, it's, it, I mean, it's really wild. But anyway, anyway. Um, so, so there's that. And what I was, the point I was trying to make when I had uh, the Q3 results up is at the end of. Q3, Watsi was behind on its year-to-date profit comparison um, by like 12 million, right? So year-to-date, uh, 2022, it was uh, like 434 million, and then year-to-date, 2023, 422 million. So there's a there's a difference there, and I, looking at that and like third quarter performance and everything, I think. I think two things um, and just just from like looking at the numbers and, you know, being uh, a person who's been laid off and being a person who's had to lay people off. Uh, I think part of it was, OK, well, they're while they're still making a crazy profit, they're not beating year over year. Now, granted, this is um, like they probably will make that up with holiday sales but then again this doesn't factor in holiday sales from 2022 either so it's probably still going to be ending the year at with uh a deficit from year over year even though it's still like a crazy ridiculous adjusted operating profit so i think that's probably part of it um i think hasbro was like you got to find some fat to trim because it's not like you're just raking in way more money than you did last year so there was probably a little bit of give and take there and then there was probably a little bit of um, we got to spread the pain around a little bit too. Like we can't, we can't just have you all totally protected. The thing that surprises me about this a little bit is that in talking to folks in the industry, mm-hmm. gaming as an industry has been down this year, just across the board. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's not like it's just Wizards of the Coast. It's not like it's just Hasbro. Everybody has been hurting a little bit mm-hmm. this year. Being down 12 mil sounds like a lot, but when mm-hmm. you compare it to the 434 that they made last year and it's 422 now, 
I mean, that's that's not that much. Yeah. And if, I mean, if you look at the revenues too, like um, just strictly revenue uh, last year at this point, it was like uh, 986 million. And then this year it's like almost 1.1 billion uh, on on the revenue. Right. Um, so like there's that means there's probably like a lot of extra cost in there as well, like probably yeah. from development costs or something like that. It just like marketing, as, like marketing costs, probably Baldur's Gate three marketing costs are part of that. That could be. Yeah. As much as I want to celebrate um, the fact that smaller publishers are going to be able to scoop up some of this amazing talent mm-hmm. that Wizards of the Coast has just set aside mm-hmm. kind of haphazardly. I can't help but feel like this is a really bonehead knee jerk. It's as if they're expecting projection wise that like, oh, we're just going to keep losing money if we keep this headcount. And it's like, I don't know that that's true. Like you had one down year. I mean, and it's not uh, like it's not true. That's the thing. It's all about it's all about just like quarter to quarter management of what the number looks like, you know? Um, if, if they had made 435 million year to date, 2023, like we probably would have seen far less laid off at Watsi than, than we did. Um, and, and like, I don't, we don't even have a total number of the people that were laid off there. Um, it could be as few as, you know, a couple dozen or something like that, which in the scheme of 1100 isn't a whole lot, but that doesn't mean anything to the person who lost their job. So I totally get that. No. And I, and again, like I, my heart goes out to the folks who got laid off right before the holiday season. Mm-hmm. That that's brutal. That sucks. Yeah. I really hope that and I know this isn't frequently the case, but I really hope that there was some kind of severance package, oh, just I'm something sure to cushion the blow a little bit. I'm sure there um, was with Hasbro, but I just, th- this whole thing to me screams, knee-jerk reaction to no, red line go down like, i don't think yeah i don't think <laughs> i don't think it's a knee-jerk reaction to red line go down i think it's a calculated reaction to need to red line go down but it's like red line go down over a quarter right yeah like well admittedly it's their year to date but yeah this is well, the first quarter they're reporting losses if i recall correctly but like if you look at the the top one if you look at the um quarterly comparisons on there the um, adjusted operating profit for Wizards of the Coast and digital gaming doubled <laughs> from Q3 of 2022. In 2022, it was 102 million, and in uh, 2023, it was like 203 million. I, <laughs> this is my thing. This doesn't make sense. Yeah. To me, as a as a non uh, redline watching person. <laughs> Like the revenues, the the the, court, the quarter comparative revenues were um, like three hundred three million versus four hundred twenty three million. It's really interesting, and and the super interesting thing is just looking at how bad off their entertainment division is. Um, it's like it's struggling so much, which makes me wonder, like, why did you launch launch that like free ad supported television channel that has like four shows on it that nobody asked for? Um, like, I know it's like they just launched that like a month ago. And I know that it's ad supported, but like things cost money. Like they they had to put together some really simple sets. They have to pay for Matthew Lillard to to run his show. They have to pay for that cooking show. But um, they should have 
And I think you mentioned this in the notes. They should have just done YouTube channels and sponsored yeah. them. Yeah. Now, like you could maybe make an argument that like with everything going on with YouTube ad blocking, like uh, maybe like a large corporation might be hesitant to do ad monetization on there. But like, I, I have to imagine that the percentage of people on YouTube who use ad blockers is minimal um, compared to just sort of the broad audience that's we're, on there. We're also talking about hosting costs as part of your yeah. setup and the servers yeah. that operate everything, all of that sort of support and tech. Yeah, that's expensive. I know for yeah. a fact that's expensive. I work with that gear every day. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I have to, like, I am just, I don't know this, but it just makes sense to me that that is in the wheelhouse of their entertainment division rather than Watsi and digital gaming, right? But the entertainment division, like in 2020, in Q3 2022, lost like 29 million. Uh, and then in Q3 2023, lost 468 million. Um, in just operating profit. Now, they, they were able to, like in the adjusted operating profit, they were able to claw it back a little bit and they and it was like 6 million versus 8 million in terms of profit rather than rather than loss. But there's got to be like a lot of depreciation and capital costs and stuff in there to get you to that number. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> but for, for like year over year though, uh, uh, for like year to date, um, 2023 entertainment has lost about $15 million. Um, and they were, and, a, you know, and that's a, that's after the adjustment. Right. And then, uh, year to date last year, uh, they had about a $50 million profit in entertainment. So the last year in, um, Hasbro's entertainment division has not been bright. No. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, it's just really interesting. Um, cause I, again, like, I feel like, I feel like the the minimal loss that uh, well not and not even a loss this the the minimal year over year uh, loss that they were looking at for year to date uh, coupled with having to spread the pain around is why we were seeing the, the those layoffs there but it's still kind of shocking when like oh when like a Dylan gets laid off like that and right. like if, for better or worse um, it's also kind of shocking to see Mike Merle's laid off because it looked like they had sort of been willing to just manage him into a less prominent position and keep him around despite all the like all the allegations and controversy and everything. Yeah, so, I just it, it's interesting. I don't know. It's such an odd position to take, but it is my sincere hope that all of those folks uh make it out of this moving into smaller publishers where I don't know, maybe the, the schedule is probably going to be a little bit more hectic, but the work mm -hmm. they do is a little bit more fun for them. It's a little bit mm -hmm. less of the, I'm just one cog inside this 10,000 pound machine. Yeah. I mean, Dan Dillon wasn't a cog <laughs> in, the, in the machine. I mean, fair, fair. I more mean for the like lower tier talent that got laid off. Like, cause that yeah. I'm not worried about Dan Dillon. I don't yeah. I don't think Dan Dillon was struggling financially before getting laid off and is now like out on the streets begging for spare change yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll create I, a I character for you for a quarter. I suspect his salary was high enough that he's good for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> and he oh, will I'm, also I'm, be in high demand. Well, and I'm I'm 
I'm sure he's going to be fine. Yeah. And if, if I recall, he's located in the Northwest anyway. So like it, it's not going to be hard to find somebody else that wants right. to hire him. I am more concerned out of, out of the 1100 people that apparently got laid off. I mean, we've only enlisted like what? 13, 14 names, something like that. So that's, yeah. that's nothing. That is the tiniest drop in that bucket. Mm-hmm. And that's, I don't know, that's a ton of folks. And I just hope those folks are able to find something in the industry to keep doing what they enjoy doing. Yeah. I, I would encourage everybody, um, as I always do, to read Chris Crocs, uh, the Hasbro CEO's like full email on the layoffs, uh, because it's, you know, if you've ever been in that position before, like getting laid off, you know how these things are. If you've ever been the person who is left behind after other people are laid off, you know how these things are. Um, I always encourage people to read these things just to sort of like get a vibe for it. Um, so check it out. Um, but did you go ahead? Did you call him Chris Crocs? Uh, yeah, C- Chris Croc. His, yeah, Chris his Crocs. name is yeah. Chris Cox. Oh, <laughs> sorry. He he might wear Chris Crocs. Yeah, yeah, and um, listen to Chris I was, Cross. So I was looking. I was look. I was looking at Chris <laughs> while I was saying it, and I just saw the R in there, and that's where that was coming from. So, anyways, I don't feel too bad for uh, mispronouncing his name since he got to keep his job. There is a bit of that. Yeah. There's yeah, um. Yeah. <laughs> that that will salve the insult that he feels. Penny Arcade released a comic recently where they have a, a meme version of Chris Cox show up at their door. And he's like, yeah, now that I've laid everybody else off, it's Wizard of the Coast. <laughs> I'm thinking, what does one wizard need with a whole coast? What do you think about Wizard of this hole I just found? <laughs> Apprentice of the private beach. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, like one of the people who was laid off was uh, um, like one of the art, like one of the D&D art managers. And uh, they they were like, well, it wasn't. They tell me it didn't have anything to do with performance. My position was eliminated. Uh, I'm just gutted. Can't even utter a snarky quip or a a lighthearted anecdote. Uh, It's just miserable. Um, And, you know, that leads me into the next thing I was going to talk about uh, is like there was apparently has been another kerfuffle going on about um ai art uh in dungeons and dragons books i don't i've seen the post that you're talking about i don't buy it i don't like until i start seeing something come out of it that seems now admittedly admittedly they have caught their artists before trying to use ai art but they told that artist to stop it and that they wouldn't use any of that work it seems unlikely to me that they would 180 on that stance in less than a year. Yeah. And that like, was glory of the giants releasing. I know. And I think, I think it was all like, from what I understand, from what I've been able to piece together on this, it was all just a lot of confusion. Cause I noticed that like yesterday, I think when I saw that, um, like the D and D Facebook page reposted their, AI policy and just there was no context for why they were posting it. They were just like, (laughs) hey, like, I think they literally said like, hey, just putting this back out there, just, uh, you know, reaffirming our commitment to this. No AI, no AI, no AI. And apparently and and I'm getting sort of into the realm of gossip here, but 
apparently what it was is like tied up with all these layoffs some some folks saw a job posting for an artist on uh the watsi site and it it said stuff like uh they were seeing language in there like refine and modify illustrative artwork for print and digital media through retouching color correction adjusting ink density resizing cropping generating clipping paths and hand brushing spot plate marks use your digital retouching wizardry to extend cropped characters and adjust uh, visual elements due to legal and art direction requirements. And I'm pretty sure extend cropped characters is what was uh, throwing a lot of people off on there because people right. were reading that and thinking that it was like a GPT slash mid journey slash insert your AI here, like art job. Uh, but right. no, that's just like, that's all stuff that you do that you've done in, that people have done in graphic design jobs since the fifties. Well, so that there was a huge, a huge, uh, supposition that was made, which was, well, didn't they just lay off a literally ludicrous number of artists? So if they mm-hmm. don't have any artists still in the studio, who's like, what art are these people going to be editing? Contract like, okay, art. <laughs> first of all, first of all, D and D has always, as has magic, the gathering, always run on contract art almost to the team like their in-house artists don't draw that much stuff for their work it is mostly contract artists and then the artists they hire are retouchers yeah it's so much cheaper to use contracted work for that kind of stuff but on top of that they have a library of art that they own that they use for a wide variety of things the odds of them Again, the odds of them being like, we're going to do a complete 180 on saying, not only are we going to stop shipping these books because they might have AI art in them, but we're going to get mad at this guy who put it there and -hmm. tell him that he can't do that anymore and tell our other artists that they need to not do that. To do a 180 on that from Glory of the Giants Mm -hmm. releasing to now, I no. Their legal team would be like, why are you setting fire to the building? Yeah, there's no like if any artist gets caught doing this for them again, like that person will probably never work in in that part of the industry ever again, because like you could I I was willing like, you know, whenever you're at sort of these singularity points with technology and society, like it's very easy to give people sort of the benefit of the doubt and give them a pass like. The first guy who used some AI art for inspiration or, uh, or, you know, stuff like that. It's like, well, okay, they didn't have a policy in place and everybody's judgment is a little different on these kind of things. So like, right. Clearly artists are the ones you would expect to get the most pushback from for stuff like that. But this guy is an artist and he's doing it. So it's really hard to like, it's really hard for me personally to vilify him for like trying it out if he's sort of experimenting with the technology. Cause I've always been sort of an early adopter for things. But but again, they had no policy then, so like, there was nothing stopping him from doing it. The guy that everybody was getting mad at for putting AI art in Glory of the Giants, mm-hmm. I saw what he used the AI for. Mm-hmm. He wasn't having something like Dolly, it like create an image out of nothing, mm-hmm. and then he sells that as his art. What he was doing was drawing ninety percent of a piece. Mm-hmm. And then having the AI generate details for it. Mm-hmm. And if Watsi wants to be like, hey, you know what? 
that's still over the line. If the public opinion still wants to be like, hey, you know what? That's over the line. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's important to contextualize that because this is more of a gray area than anyone I recall being part of the conversation was highlighting mm-hmm. because everybody wanted to be like down with AI art, stop stealing other artists work to create your work and then sell it. That's completely unethical. I, I, you can use template brushes to make art and sell that. Is this so different from that? I don't I know don't- that it is. I think it is, but I don't want to get into that discussion <laughs> today. <laughs> we can we can have that conversation another time. But that's yeah, that's just a like an at a glance where I'm at with that specific situation. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing to indicate yeah. that Watsi is hiring people to retouch AI art. That's literally people looking at a job posting and then being like, "How dare they?" And it's yeah. like, what? <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like a lot of people were just like jumping without looking. And I mean, they're mad about the layoffs and they mm-hmm. want something to justify yeah. all of that anger above and beyond how sad people getting laid off is. Oh, yeah. And I'll tell you something, too, um, is when I was doing a little bit of research to find like a list of names and try to get a little more detail on stuff like I stumbled on several like forums threads about the layoffs and some of it, like they were people were posting furiously today um, as I was refreshing it and stuff. Like I checked it this morning before I started work and then I refreshed it like at the end of the day and there were like multiple more pages on the forum and everything. But it's, it's everybody just sort of railing against the fact that like this shouldn't have to happen, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And like, and like, you know, like the capitalist society, you know, that's, it, it is what it is like in, in business, these things happen and everybody was just sort of mad that in business these things happen and so i think it was just sort of an uh an unfocused rage and and this ai situ- this situation uh this misunderstanding was a convenient target for that rage that wasn't going to really engender anybody pushing back and being like now let's look at the other side of this uh, and but that's because there was no other side of it because it was a completely fabricated controversy to begin with. Well, fabricated is a bad word because that make, makes it sound like they were lying. It was a complete the the controversy the the manufactured controversy was the result of a complete misunderstanding on the part of the angry people. Yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's fair. I understand how those sorts of things occur. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make them not annoying. Right. Right. Stop I got it. it. I get, Stop. It. I get it. And also, <laughs> also like any discussion about layoffs, I come to with a particular uh, percentage of cynicism having been through it before. And it's just kind of like old hat. Yeah. <laughs> to, to I mean, me, I've working I've in the newspaper fired, industry. I've been fired a couple of times. I've only been laid off once. Mm-hmm. And the one time I was laid off, it was right after the company merged with another company. Mm hmm. I had an electrical contractor once years ago who would always tell me that he was fired more times than Davy Crockett's rifle, which is a lovely turn of phrase that I hope never to be able to use. (laughs) I hope that he has not been fired that many times from the job you had hired him to do. It's a long story that I don't want to get into. (laughs) (laughs) Suffice it to say he was cheap and I was poor. So, oh no, Brandon. Yeah. 
this was like, gosh, like 15, 16, 17 years ago. So yeah, it's, it's been a while. I will not, I will not name the man (laughs) (laughs) because my contact list keeps getting ported over from phone to phone. He's actually still, I actually still have his number in my phone. Oh my Um, God. But call that number. I will never call that number again. Oh my Lord. Unless it's to complain about him. Um, but we can get to the, we can get to the main, the main event here. Um, Are we ready? Yeah, we can make Disco Dragon really, really excited uh, oh by God. talking about uh, Tales of the Valiant slash Black Flag slash the Orc License. Okay, all right. Complete disclosure. I don't have a lot to say about the Orc License in of itself. Every time I've looked at it, it seems fine. I haven't seen anything particularly troubling. But that's, that's if I recall correctly, a Paizo product. Mm-hmm where Black Flag is supposed to be working off the Orc license right. and creating something completely independent from Watsi, something that doesn't rely on them at all, because those darn wizards and their darn coasts are not to be trusted anymore, not after the OGL shenanigans at the beginning of the year. The OGL shenanigans of 12 months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Except, except because... Wizards of the Coast went Creative Commons with 5E. Cobalt Press with Black Flag is like, I mean, we don't have to give up 5E. We could, in fact, just take the entire 5E SRD and copy paste and then change a few things. Yeah, Josh and I were getting ready to record this and we were just chatting and touching base on on some of this stuff. And he says... uh, Oh, uh, you know, have you like how much have you been able to read of the the Black Flag uh, document? And I was like, well, you know, I've 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 read through it. And he says, oh, so you've you've done a really detailed read of it and everything. I said, well, no, I haven't done a detailed read. I've you know I've read through it. And then I stopped and I was like, oh, well, you know, I guess you could say that I have done a detailed read of it because many times I have read the Five E Player's Handbook, so I know <laughs> I know exactly what is in this document. <laughs> um, I am so <laughs> mad about this. Yeah. I like on the first page, attribution, this work includes material taken from the system reference document 5.1, uh, SRD 5.1 by Wizards of the Coast, LLC. Uh, it should read, this work is mostly material taken from the system reference document. The spell list is the same. The class list is the same. The condition list is the same. The how you take a turn is the same. Like, it's it's just... 5e with a couple of extra things the only thing i can give them credit for and this frankly is a very low bar is that instead of just using the 5e srd monster annual mm-hmm. they added some kobold press monsters to that yeah yeah i you know there's 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 several different ways to look at this um you know the first is the first is you know, 5e gets put into Creative Commons. Um, it's probably to your benefit to publish a version of that. You know, if you're a gaming company, somebody, in fact, approached us about publishing a version of the 5e SRD. And I was like, I really like I personally was like, I don't feel like that's the best use of my time because uh, I would have to take the document and reformat it and do all kinds of stuff. And at the end of the day, we would be left with the 5e SRD with a Goblins and Growlers logo on the front of it. And I just, 
You can already get it for free. Uh, <laughs> you can print it out at a library for like three to five cents a page, depending on where you're at. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I, I, I think to really talk about this, I have to go back to what I was saying in like March and April um, after after Watsi did their big about face. And uh, and, you know, let's you know, let's call it what it is like they didn't magnanimously put 5e into the creative commons they did it because they were kind of like shoved into a corner because rightfully companies like cobalt press and paizo were standing up and saying like okay like yeah we're gonna cover this like we're gonna we're gonna take care of this so like they didn't have a choice right um and and i thought it was kind of a game of chicken at the time uh and then uh you know watsi lost that game of chicken and I was very surprised that, uh, you know, all these other companies, these other third party publishers that had risen up in uh, that, you know, four or five week period to be like, we're going to make an alternative system, like just kept on it. Like I fully expected some of them to like most of them to be like, well, you know, now that they've committed uh, the 5e SRD irrevocably into Creative Commons, like this is the outcome we wanted. This keeps 5e in a place where people can access it forever uh even if you don't want to move on to like the next iteration of D&D that they're going to be releasing in 2024 um but they just kept going and it just i think i said i think i said it at the time i'd have to go back and listen to like everything that we've done this year and i don't even think i said it like on a recording but it's just like it just seems like a big waste of time to have to have a big, you know, no pun intended, like flagship product like this that brings very little in the way of originality to the hobby. Like, okay, let's let's give it the benefit of the doubt and say this is very different from uh, 5e, right? Let's just let's say for the sake of argument, uh, which is I I want to be very clear, what I'm saying now is a lie. Uh, let's say for the sake of argument that the mechanics. And everything, uh, the setting in, in this book was like the, the kind of setting it portrays, just like generic fantasy, was totally different from anything that was in 5e, right? Like, it's just, it's still the same kind of game, right? It's not giving me anything new. Like, it's still setting you up to play just sort of a generic fantasy game, even if all the mechanics were different. Like, if you're going to do something like this, you really need to bring something original to it. And having, and and renaming inspiration as luck and creating a few more rules around it ain't that. Um, nope. You know, using elements of your pre-existing bestiary in in this that that ain't that. Like you need to bring something different to me for it. And like I really would love for somebody to explain to me how this is not just sort of like they backed themselves into a corner saying they were going to do this. And then Watsi did what nobody expected they were going to do and put 5e into Creative Commons. And they're like, well, I guess we got to do this. Like, I guess we, I guess we got to go ahead and put this thing out. Because they, because they were already, because they were already planning that, uh, that Kickstarter is what it was. (laughs) Right. Like, this is why I'm so frustrated is, and here's, here's the thing is we've just been talking about Black Flag to this point. Right. So the SRD for Cobalt Press's systems, mm-hmm. their Kickstarter is for Tales of the Valiant. And I I pulled up their webpage to just like 
Mm. Reading through their webpage a little while ago just really steamed me up because... Oh, really? You didn't tell me about this earlier. We are writing Tales of the Valiant now. This is directly off the page, talesofthevaliant.com. Mm-hmm. You might have seen some of our playtest documents. It's a work in progress. When it's done, it will be based on the new Black Flag role-playing rules. If mm-hmm. you're just joining us, the Black Flag role-playing rules will be a complete distilled system document permanently available to everyone. Well, yeah, it's 5ESRD, which is Creative Commons. Yeah. If you scroll down a little bit, it's what happened to Project Black Flag. Well, amid the noise and explosions in the TTRPG business in January 2023, Kobold Press decided to make a completely free, open, 5E-compatible RPG that gamers could use and under which they could publish forever. We called this audacious new thing Project Black Flag. Yeah, and then they couldn't copyright or trademark Black Flag, so that's why they had to call it something else. And that, right, exactly. And they come back and they're like, well, what we're doing now, we've copyrighted Tales of the Valiant. You can buy those books for, and it's like, whoa, 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 hold on. Yeah. You haven't built anything on top of 5e's SRD to justify having a different gaming system. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So excuse me. Yeah. Well, I mean, like this is also from their website. It's uh, it's like we had already create committed to creating our own game when the fifth edition system reference document 5.1 was released in the creative commons. So they had already planned the Kickstarter. Uh, after that, it was clear that we could build on the foundation that so many people already know and love. And, and then it goes on like, while its roots are familiar, the Tales of the Valiant RPG brings new realms of adventure to the table. Explore the new mechanist class, uh, co- the co- like the kobold and beast skin character lineages and hundreds of other new options in the form of talent, spells and monsters. Like, I'm sure there is new stuff in the in the paid versions of this. Right. Right. right in the $65 each books because that's what their kickstarter is offering for pre-order is a a player's guide and monster vault two hardcover gift set with slipcase for $130. Mhm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Are and you effing kidding me? And let's not kid ourselves when they talk about something like oh the new mechanist class. Like you put a coat of paint on the artificer. <laughs> like call it whatever like even even if like there are some mechanical differences there i mean that's what it is it's it's just it's an artificer and like i feel i feel really like first i want to just like lampshade really quickly like i feel really weird like ragging on this so much because it it almost feels like i'm sort of implicitly defending watsi and that's not the case watsi is like a force of nature and it doesn't need it doesn't need anybody to defend it right like it just it it is it like I, I like watsi is like i am the one who is called i am it is forever um dungeons and dragons <sighs> is a household name yeah you can walk into just about any household and say the words dungeons and dragons yeah and even if all they say is oh that thing from stranger things oh that thing from big bang theory that counts yeah it still counts you know what nowadays would be a very appropriate name for dungeons and dragons 5e the generic universal role-playing system (laughs) because that's i mean that's basically that's basically what it is it's the template that all this other stuff is being based on you know a little bit yeah cobalt press i love you you produce very very good content 
They do. This was unne- this was unnecessary. I realized that the train was already out of the station when they put it in Creative Commons, but it's just not like I feel like the only reason to buy Tales of the Valiant is because you're somebody who just doesn't like Watsy on principle. You want to have uh, D&D 5e books that don't say D&D on the cover. Right. Yeah. That's, right. that's a little bit how I feel about this as well. And that's part of why I'm so irritable about it is that they took advantage of the literal firestorm that D&D had built up at the beginning of the year trying to revoke the OGL. Mm-hmm. And they were like, you know what? Like, we're going to like, yo ho, my pirate kin. Like, we're going to rise up and we're going to build something not so different from when Paizo released Pathfinder 1E. Mm-hmm. We're going to take some of the principles of their gaming system and we're going to build something different. We're going to build something new. It's going to be ours and we're going to share it with the world and it's going to be beautiful and it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. And then Watsi's like, ah, what if we create a commons 5e and Cobalt Press is like, well, I guess we don't have to do our thing now. Excuse yeah. me? <laughs> Excuse <Yeah>. me? <laughs> yeah. Like, you can't drum up all this support and be like, we'll charge into the furious fray and uh, you know, Paizo leading the way with their orc license that we'll be a part of, and et cetera, et cetera. And then be like, well, it's it's basically 5e. Like it's not quite, but it's basically 5e. Yeah. For all intents and purposes, this is what it is. Um I, you know, I've said I've said this a lot in the past. It's like I really appreciate when people take big swings on yeah. creative projects. Yeah. Um, whether they're good or whether they're bad, whether they're successful or whether they're complete failures, I always appreciate somebody who was willing to step up and be like, this is the thing we're doing and we're doing it with the full heart and our complete and total commitment. And that is not what Cobalt Press did here. Uh, they said, we're, they made a lot of noise like that's what they were going to do. And then they said, we are going to take their thing and call it our thing and then get you to pay money for our set of books, which if you boil everything else away, like strip away all the duplicate mechanics, duplicate spells, um, things like that, you're basically ending up with a supplement book for for your 5e stuff. Right, which Cobalt Press was already producing. Yeah. They were already producing supplement books. This is just a bigger supplement book. And like, believe me, I know how much like the man I sound when I say this, but it's like, you're not going to dethrone Watsy. It's not going to happen. Like, I would have this certainly. No, like I would have I would have been so much more receptive to this if you had created something truly original and put out there. And and like, we all know why they didn't. They didn't because they're trying to hang on to the same market that they've been going for for the last forever, which is, you know, 5e players, because it is essentially the generic universal role playing system these days um, who who want to get, you know, extra stuff, you know, um, they're not trying to break new ground. They're not looking for a blue ocean of customers or anything like that. They just want to be able to sell the same thing to customers. And uh, 
I've been avoiding saying this, but it just, I, I, if I had to completely distill my feelings for Project Black Flag now, where it stands now in, in late December of 2023, it's cynicism. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We have an example of a company that said, we don't like what Wizards of the Coast is doing, and we're going to take what they built. We're going to build something better. And then at the point that the OGL is falling apart, we're going to rip them out entirely. We're going to do mm-hmm. our own thing. And that's Paizo. And admittedly, Paizo has a bit of a head start on Cobalt Press with this because mm-hmm. Paizo did Pathfinder 1E. What? Like, that was when fourth edition came out. So it was like 2014, I think. No. no Earlier? Fifth, no, fifth edition came out in 2014. So it would have been. Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, like I want to say some somewhere between 05 and 09. I never played 4E, so I I don't know. I went straight from second edition to fifth edition, so I never played three or three five. And um, you know, like uh, Paizo is absolutely brilliant, though in in the way they just sort of suckered Wizards of the Coast <laughs> back in the day, 2007. Okay, is I was, when 4E came out. So you were you were right in the in the ballpark. Okay, what? Cobalt is doing is essentially what Paizo did, but it's not an analogous thing, right? It's not an analogous thing because what Paizo did was like, oh, hey, um, we're going to keep doing this this way, like the the 3, 3.5 E way, uh, because we know a lot of you don't like 4 E. And then they also had had run that fantastic scam on Watsi of... Getting the license to publish Dungeon and Dragon magazines, uh-huh. and then and then when Watsi realized what was going on, they revoked the they didn't renew the license, but Paizo still had that massive email list that they could use to announce Pathfinder uh-huh. to people and convert their subscriptions into like adventure paths and things like that. That was a master. that is the definition of masterstroke. <laughs> you can keep paying us the same money you have been paying us and keep receiving content from our writers. Mm-hmm. which you've shown you like, all you have to do is check this box and hit I accept. Yeah. Like, oh, beautiful. You, master class in strategy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that I think Kobold Press should have tried to pull exactly what Paizo has pulled. Because, mm-hmm. again, Paizo did this 17 years ago, basically. Um, 17 years ago, Paizo's playing this game and winning at it. Yeah. And... Watsy can't keep up to save their own skin. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that Cobalt Press should have done that. What I am saying is that instead of going, well, you know what? Like, screw their stuff. We're going to make our own system and it's, and it's going to have blackjack and hookers. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe instead, Cobalt Press should have gone to Paizo and been like, hey, you know what? We've been doing third party stuff for a Watsy this whole time. Here they are trying to screw us. What if we did third party stuff for Pathfinder instead mm-hmm. and we just like linked our brands up? Like, what can you do for us? What kind of writing support can you give us, et cetera, et cetera? Give us some licensing, et cetera, et cetera. Like, they could have spun in a whole different direction and Pathfinder could be significantly larger than it already is. I don't know. I, something, something mm-hmm. more than what we're getting right now, which is, yeah, we were really mad at them in January which is why we decided to take their entire book and put it into our book 
and yeah. then change like four things so that the homework doesn't look the same. Like, yeah, what? What? Well, and I mean, that's what? the thing. Too. Like, that's the thing, too, is like they're not even I, I guess this is I guess they're at least being intellectually honest about it in that, like, there's there's absolutely no subterfuge or no pretending that it's not what it is. I guess. Sure. Yeah. But like, you know, Paizo back then had the um, Uno reverse card and they played it. <laughs> and Cobalt was trying to use the same tactics. It's it's like using it's like using cavalry in the Civil War versus using horse cavalry in World War Two. Right. Like it's the same strategy, but the but the battlefield has changed so much and it's just not going to work as yeah. As the oceans Poland, are now as, battlefields. Yes, yeah, as Poland found out, much to their detriment. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know if that was like the fulsome discussion that we were expecting there, but like, and, and I know this sort of precludes any any possible future of of Cobalt Press giving us stuff to review or anything like that. But I feel like I feel like I feel like this. I feel like if they had. It would have been better if they had said, you know what, we're going to now that if they had converted their plan and said that, OK, well, now uh, Watsi has put the 5e SRD into Creative Commons like we were planning to do this whole thing. But instead, let's do this thing. And they just created an entirely new setting like Paizo did for Pathfinder with Galarian. Um, and they just really leaned into making a unique setting like sort of. A, like a standard deviation of uniqueness that like Eberron was to Forgotten Realms, you know, something something that's just different and feels different and have it compatible with the now Creative Commons 5e because I would tell people to buy that. So there is a little bit of on their Kickstarter um they're changing the they're changing the cre- character creation to be a lineage and heritage system. Uh-huh. Where we talents different talents and backgrounds. Yeah, but you know who else? You know who else is doing like lineage <laughs> and heritage <laughs> in the next iteration of their product? Uh, yes, yes. I I don't know. Like I I am very very much hoping that. I am just reading much too shallow into what I'm being presented by Cobalt Press because mm-hmm. their marketing team just isn't doing a good enough job representing what they're going to be giving us. That's my that is my sincere hope mm-hmm. because I love Cobalt Press's work. I love their stuff. They make mm-hmm. some amazing creatures, especially. And you know, you know, your boy has a soft spot for some fantastic creatures. Mm-hmm. I. I want to believe that this will be greater than it sounds like it is. But when you present to me your black flag SRD and you're like, this is going to be something that they can never get rid of, like, because it's built on the Creative Commons license they issued. That you can never get rid of. (laughs) What? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to check out Tales of the Valiant. In part because that's the whole point of this show right. is for us to be looking at what is current in TTRPG stuff and let people know like, hey, here's what's new about it. Here's what's different about it. Here's what's cool about it. 
Did it meet with our expectations? Did it exceed our expectations? I'm going to check it out. I'm going to look at it. But as it stands right now, I am very annoyed. Mm -hmm. I'm very annoyed because I was promised something very different from what I'm seeing. Mm -hmm. Tales of the Valiant, more like Tales of the Variant. (laughs) Am I right? (laughs) I've been sitting on that one for a little while. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Like it's, it's really hard for me to say to somebody, especially in this era of like just the books costing more and inflation yeah. being what it is, be like, yeah, go buy this other thing. That's basically the same as the other thing that you can get for free. Right. I mean, all right. So black flag SRD is also free. Right. So that's, you know, but like, I don't know. At that point, just download both and then take whichever mechanic set you like better. It's yeah. just, it's literally just variant rules. It's six to one, half dozen of the other. Yeah. I mean, really, yeah. really. But like, if you've already got the full suite of five ebooks and like, let's say you're like, hey, you know what? Like, you know, one D&D, like when that rolls out, I'm just going to kind of stick with what I got, even though they say it'll all be backwards compatible. <laughs> like, that's great. Like you said, like you're going to stick with playing 5e, like like probably so many other people on this planet. What like what possible incentive would you have to buy Tales of the Valiant if it's essentially the same system with just a couple of minor tweaks? Right. And that's that's where I'm like, you need to show me something more than what you have shown me to justify the fact that you're publishing books based on this system that you keep calling your own and inspired by 5e, but I've looked at the bones. It's just 5e. Yeah. I have, I have more variant rules in my home games than you do in this book of rules that you mm-hmm. have published for free. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just Come mind on. boggling. Cause like, I want to be like, what, what's your differentiator? Like they had a clear right. differentiator when they started this and then that was taken from them. And it's like they never were like, oh, we might need to change up sort of the the thrust of how we're marketing this because they they have not explained to me why I need to buy this. I had from the beginning assumed and apparently made an ass of you and me uh, that when they said we're getting away from Watsi because we're tired of this nonsense, that what they meant was we're building something that is unique from their stuff, mm-hmm. but with enough of that flavor that you coming from the one to the other, is going to be an easy transition, mm-hmm. much like Pathfinder 1E was from 3.5. Right. Pathfinder 2E, Paizo was like, yeah, we're just going to rip out the rest of the D&D stuff because we don't need it anymore. We've mm-hmm. got all our own things. Yeah. The Pathfinder, couple of things we'd held on to. Pathfinder oh, carved no. out. Pathfinder carved out its own niche. Yeah. And that's what I thought Kobold Press was doing with these big, bold statements they were making in January. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, <sighs> I, I, I can look at it from like a couple of different business perspectives, right? Because like from one, from one perspective, it's like, no, of course it makes sense to keep it as close to 5e as possible because that's how you get the largest, uh, like you have the largest opportunity to get people to buy your stuff. Which makes sense if most of your business model is focused on creating supplementary third-party content rather than a competing system, right? Um, so, so that's thing one. Like that's that's how it makes sense to do it. But 
you know, at the same time, like you got to, like I was saying earlier, like you got to give me that reason to buy it. And it being, and spite is not enough of a reason for me to spend <laughs> what, like $120? $130. Okay. Yeah, it's just not, it's just not enough. So I don't know. What do you all think? Like, you know, tell, tell us what you think about the whole thing. Like, it's entirely possible that the both of us are just bitter and off base about this and everything. So uh, I would love it if you could hop onto the discord at uh, bit.ly slash goblin discord and tell us whether we're right or wrong. Um, there's, uh, you know, and while you're doing, oh, go ahead. It wouldn't be the first time that you and I were both old man shakes fist at cloud about something. Yeah. I just, <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm too pragmatic about it, but just like, I, I just don't see a reason. I just don't see a reason. Neither do I. Yeah. And, but if you do agree with us and you want to, uh, you want to have us essentially be your proxy proselytizing to your friends, uh, then you should definitely telephone, telegraph, tell a friend about the Goblins of Growlers podcast because word of mouth is the uh, best way to grow the audience on the podcast. And as I always say, the best ludicrous album uh, that was ever released. <laughs> um, also, feel free on your podcatcher of choice to leave us a five star review. If you don't want to leave us a five star review, I would prefer that you criticize in private and praise in public. So uh, if you want to leave less than five stars, let us know what we're doing wrong and give us a chance to make it right by you. Um, just reach out to us and let us know. Um, uh, also, like we said at the top, Quid Pro Roll, our sister podcast. Uh, give it a listen if you if you like that actual play flow. Uh, it's a fun time. We've been doing it for five years and we're most likely going to keep on doing it. Um, Josh, what am I missing from the usual uh, list of stuff? The one thing you're missing is talking about our monthly newsletter that Brandon creates, which is uh, it's part of an email list. You sign up, you mm -hmm. get one email a month that's got a little bit of TTRPG news in it, mm -hmm. a little bit of indie content in it, mm -hmm. and a little bit of an update on Goblins and Growlers stuff in it. Mm -hmm. And you can find the link for that at Linktree. That's linktr.ee slash Goblins and Growlers. And among all of our socials, our big cartel store, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, so, and it, it uh, it'll be in the show notes on this, whether you're listening to this uh, on audio or you're watching it on the YouTube channel. Also, tell a friend about the YouTube channel. We're, we're sort of kind of trying to start growing the YouTube channel in sort of a semi-serious way. So, um, you know, subscribe to it if you haven't already. Um, I promise that at some point we'll have a, a solid content strategy for it. But for right now, we just want to start landing some people there so we can justify using it to ourselves a little bit more. But Come listen uh, to our voices yeah. and look at our faces. Josh, did we wish anybody a, a, a pleasant holiday since this is coming we, out on Christmas Day? We did not. It's a it's being released on December 25th. So Merry Christmas to those who celebrate. Uh, mm -hmm. We're a little late for Happy Hanukkah for those who celebrate. Um, and we'll throw we'll throw a happy Kwanzaa and a happy holidays in there as well for those who celebrate things other than the three listed. Yeah, just happy. Have a have a happy holiday season. Hopefully, you got to spend some time with loved ones. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people say family, but sometimes family aren't loved ones, and we understand that. Have Absolutely. a good time with whoever you have a good time with. Absolutely. Um, and so we will see you all. I believe. On the 8th of January is when we will be back. Um, and I am. 
That's so soon. I know. I know. It's very soon. Um, <laughs> uh, so we'll see you on the 8th of January. I think we've got some ideas what we want to talk about. We have some sort of thoughts about where we want to take the podcast in the year to come. Uh, and uh, we'll jaw at you on that. And, you know, like, uh, let, us, let us know what you feel like, too, about the idea of us trying to do some live stream episodes and some other things like that. Uh, the thing that I just realized, given that you said the next episode is going to be on the 8th of January, is that we didn't talk about the cons we're going to be at. Part of our crew will be at Ichiban Con mm-hmm. in Concord, North Carolina. That mm-hmm. is January the... Oh, Lord. It's the 12th through the 15th or something. Yeah, the 12th through the 14th. Okay. And then uh, a, a different subset of our crew, uh, Alon, I believe, being the only overlapping member. Alon goes will be to all at the cons. MAGFest. Yeah. Alon at Khan um, yeah. will be at MAGFest January 18th to the 21st. Yeah. Alon has, so, a lot of, he has a lot of PTO and he wants to start using it early. <laughs> Um, so if you're going to be in either of those locations, if you were already planning on going to those cons, great. If you're going to be in those locations, you weren't planning on going to those cons. I think you can still get yeah. tickets. Come see us. Come yeah. see us at panels. Say hi. Get a high five. Uh, maybe a hug from those of us that are comfortable with such a thing. Buy a T-shirt. And it'd be great to see you all out there. Yeah. Oh, quick, quick uh, tack on about Ichiban Con. This year, Ichiban made the decision because the con's grown so much to span it over two weekends. So we are going to be there on the second weekend. So uh, plan appropriately for that situation. <laughs> I it's it's annoying that uh, we're there like the weekend after Bit Brigade because uh, I love me some Bit Brigade. That's because they're great. Uh, yeah. But the the Ichiban crew will include the Horse Girls podcast crew, which should be fun. Should yeah. be fun. All right. Um, I gotta go recover because I'm still sick. So let's let's yep. call it there. <laughs> go get go get some rest, and uh, y'all enjoy the rest of your holiday season. And we'll see you in January. All right, everybody, have a good one. Bye. Bye, y'all. like what you hear consider subscribing and giving us a review over on apple podcasts especially early in the feed subscriptions and reviews are super helpful for bringing new listeners our way thank you What's up, listeners? I'm Noah Downs, the host of Forgotten Paths, a D&D actual play show here on the May Contain Action Network. Forgotten Paths is your go-to source for immersive stories in the form of Dungeons & Dragons adventures. We've just completed our first thrilling campaign, so you can enjoy a complete story with 61-hour episodes available. It's an amnesia campaign, where our heroes start with blank character sheets and have to figure out who they are and what brought them together. As we're gearing up for Campaign 2, we're keeping you entertained with exciting miniseries releases with amazing guests. So stay tuned for even more adventures to come. While you're exploring, don't miss out on the other fantastic shows all within the May Contain Action Network, such as May Contain Action, Goblins and Growlers, Unvaulted, and Quid Pro Roll. You can find them all linked in the show notes.